Spring of Life Fellowship and its pastor Joaquin G. Molina invites you to listen to a message of restoration and strengthening for your life. Be a part of the vision, changing the world. The seriousness which you have brought Christ into this world and you have proclaimed your gospel to every nation, tribe, and tongue. We still sit here today in a church in a city called Miami, in a neighborhood called Doral, and you bring us here, Lord, to once again tell us what's going on in the eternal scene, what's going on in eternity. We pray, Lord, that as we gather together and watch the celebrations, we watch the girls dance, we listen to Christmas carols and Christmas songs, and tonight we'll be celebrating at the Christmas Gala, the festivities of having a dinner together with your people, Lord. What a privilege, what an honor to be invited to your banquet table. Lord, there's still some that are standing or sitting on the fence. There's still some that have not heard the clear message of your salvation. There's still some that have not tasted of the joy that would come into the world. So we pray, Lord, supernaturally, that through the impartation of your spirit, there would be a spiritual awakening that the scales might fall off our eyes, that we might see to that which we've been invited to, this world-changing invitation to be part of eternity, to be part of the salvation that you brought through your Son, Jesus Christ. We pray that you would awaken us out of uh, being asleep, Lord, a spiritual stupor where we cannot see your mighty things and we settle for lesser things, Lord, and we compromise and we accept other invitations, Lord, that are not as keenly and as, as, as precious as your invitation towards us. So touch our hearts today, Lord. Touch our hearts in its deepest part. And that we not only be those that are invited, but that we would be part of those who say, taste and see that the Lord is good. That we would be able to reach others that still have not heard, who have not come and bless and prosper your words in our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. It's a fascinating tale. It's been told uh, millions of times. Uh, it's been seen and heard all over the world in Luke chapter 2. Where it talks about the proclamation of Jesus coming into the world with such incredible... If you were to make up this story, you would not have put Jesus in a stable and a manger having been birthed. The king of kings being birthed in a horse and animal stall i don't know if you i've owned horses in my time but that is not the best place for a child to be born maybe rats maybe piglets maybe charlotte's web but not jesus christ and here the fascinating story it says in chapter 2 of luke in the days of caesar augustus there has to be a changing of scenarios because joseph and mary are in nazareth and all the prophecies, listen to me, one of the things that makes this such a challenging invitation is that there's one thing about foretelling the future, where you say next week uh, uh, Tim Tebow is going to win another game, and you, you tell the future and, and you're 50-50 there, there's, 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 it's in the balance, there's a chance that it happened, there's a chance that it doesn't. But here you and I both have the benefit of more than a hundred prophecies in the Old Testament, all of them being fulfilled in the life of Jesus Christ. 
He was to be born in Bethlehem. He was to be born of a virgin. He was to be born in an area that, that was unlikely. And all these things are happening and taking place. And you and I are sitting 2,000 years later saying, yep, look at all those prophecies. You can read them in the Bible. There's a hundred foretellings of what Jesus was going to happen. And all of them came true. And they were found there in the... There was even... We're going to read this now, but there was even wise men of the East that had studied the prophecies. And they knew that He would be born in such a time. And they followed the prophecies and they found the babe. And they worshipped Him. But you and I don't have to foretell the future. All we have to look is backwards and say... It happened. All the hundred prophecies happened in the life of this one child in this one place on the face of the earth and everything written about them is true. And so we have that benefit. It's, it's not like somebody's trying to deceive you into something that's going to happen in the future like this poor guy last year who says the world would end, right? And he foretold and it didn't happen. You and I both have the benefit of hearing things that were going to be foretold and happened, and now the Lord presents them to you. Receive this invitation I give you for the salvation of all men. And here, the times were changed. It says, um, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that they should be taken to the entire Roman world. And this was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. In verse 4 it says, So Joseph... We know this to be uh, uh, Joseph and Mary of the Christmas story. They went up from the town of Nazareth. Nazareth in Galilee um, is 60 miles, 60 miles from Jerusalem. We know this. We were there two, three years ago. And we drove all the way up to Nazareth. And so here, Joseph and Mary are coming and they're coming to Bethlehem, 60 miles to the south. It says because everybody had come to Bethlehem, there wasn't room anywhere to stay. They weren't from there. They were looking for a Marriott. They were looking for a hotel. They couldn't find one. They said, you know, we have a little space around in the parking lot. We have a little space around in the stable. If you want to go back there. They, the times were terrible. This woman was pregnant. She's about to give birth. Nobody cared. So Joseph went up there from Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem to the town of David because he belonged to the house and the line of David. He went there to register with Mary who was pledged to be married to him and the time came for the baby to be born and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in clothes and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. How many have heard this story a thousand times? We've heard this a thousand times. How does it apply to us? The invitation to come. The invitation to come and be a part of what Jesus was being a part. And I'm amazed there that as this is taking place, in verse 8 it says, And there were shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I'm bringing good news that will cause great joy for all people. Can you say all people? Is there anyone the Lord wants to leave out? No, not even. The worst of sinners is invited to come. 
and there's provision for him. And he might very well be standing preaching this message to you today. The worst of sinners. And now in today in the town of David, a Savior is born. He's the Messiah. He's the Savior of the world. He's the answer. He is the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find the baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. This is the same thing that was pronounced in the book of Isaiah, chapter 7, verse 13 and 14. 500 years before this taking place, Isaiah is giving a prophetic utterance of the reality of Christ coming to this world. And it says there, Isaiah 7, 13, Hear now, O house of David, is it a small thing that you weary men, but will you also weary my God also? I mean, men are patient and God is patient. But are you going to weary the patience of men and the patience of God also? The Lord Himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin will conceive and bear a son and shall call His name Emmanuel. Isn't that amazing that it's right there, written in Scriptures 500 years before it takes place. Here we are 2,000 years after the occurrence of that birth taking place and for some still the message is it doesn't make sense i I don't know what it would require Uh, we have miracles we have signs we have wonders we have the goodness of god being shown forth I, i recall a friend of mine coming home from vietnam and and having no one no family having no friends having no god no hope And he says, okay, God, I'm at the end of my rope. I'm at the end of my string. If you let me find money right now so I could get me a hotel, some food, and go to a warm place, I will give my life to you. And he's crossing the streets of New York. And and as he's crossing, three or four, I forgot what he told me, it was around three or four hundred dollar bills just rolling in the wind. And he sees the money. And he looks around and he's trying to figure out who does this belong to? Is this a joke? Has God walked me into a trap? Now I'm stuck. He bends down, he picks up the money and he's looking around to see who it belongs to. He raises his eyes to the heavens and he shoots his middle finger. An insult to God saying this was going to happen to me anyways. So I ask myself, How far does God have to go on an invitation to make us come to the place that He's drawing us near? And yet all the difference, the devil puts a carrot in front of our nose and he entices us into sin, into destruction, and we go to the slaughterhouse. When the Bible says, do not go in that direction, and we're easily moved like a donkey after the carrot into the destruction of Satan for our life. It's incredible. Uh, I'm, I'm reminded of being at the mall. I don't know if you've been at the mall lately. Have you guys gone by the court, uh, the food court there at the uh, Dolphin Mall? If you walk right along, all the, by the time you finish walking every restaurant, you don't even have to have lunch anymore. Because everybody's giving you a piece of chicken, a piece of this, a piece of this, a sandwich. Uh, and, and by the time you're finished, you're like, I'm going home, man. I'm full. And so here it is, another extension of an invitation people giving a taste and see. I don't know how many have told somebody about your Jesus, about something supernatural He's done in your life. 
uh, you couldn't have a baby and the Lord gave you a child. You couldn't see and the Lord healed you. You couldn't walk and the Lord restored you. Your marriage was in the rocks and here you are, a honeymoon phase. And God has done great big things and you offer this to other people. And what do they say? No, thank you. Not interested. I don't want to go there. Please don't remind me that that's a reality. But here again, as they sit there, the shepherds are invited to go and worship the king of glory. And you know something? What I see here is that there wasn't no fancy fair taking place. God wants all to come. God wants all to come. And maybe if he's born in a palace, in a castle, in, in a kingdom, he's far from the reach of certain people. But here the shepherds are lying out in the field by night. Uh, an angel pronounces. The word angel means messenger. Today in the town of David, a Savior is born. He's the Messiah. He's more than just a good friend. This will be a sign for you. Suddenly, in verse 13, a great company of heavenly hosts appears with the angel. And they get a snapshot into heaven and they're all praising God. Glory to God in the highest. And on earth, let there be peace and favor come upon men. The angels had left and had been gone into heaven. And the shepherds said to one another, this is, this is still exciting because after everything that has happened, the, the people that are left are those people next to you. What are they saying? Let's go seek the Lord. Let's go find this guy that everyone's talking about. Let's go on and see what they have announced to Bethlehem. To see these things that have happened, which the Lord has revealed to us. In verse 16 it says, so they turned off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby. And they were lying in a manger. And when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told to them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured these things up in her heart. And she pondered them and considered them. And the shepherds returned to the field glorifying and praising God for all the things they had seen, all the things they had heard, which were told just as they had been told. Let's go to Matthew chapter 2 because it's also the second part of this story. Uh, wise men, magi, come from the east. These guys were considered great military convoys. This wasn't just like you see out there in the mangers, uh, three guys and three camels. No, this was the entourage of great powerful armies that were coming to bow down to a governor and a king that was born in Jerusalem. The prophetic utterance was that he would rule the world. And so they had heard these in the ancient writings and they came to offer him gifts. In Matthew chapter 2, it says, after Jesus, say with me after. Because this is not the night he was born, right? This is after. These guys didn't show up at the stable. They wouldn't have fulfilled they came to the area of the place where Mary and, and Joseph had moved after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod. There came wise men from the east to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and came and have come to worship him. I, I think that, that that really, 
you're seeing two sets of kings here. One, the Magi that were coming to bow down to the kingdom of Jesus, but there was Herod the king. How many know that Herod was not going to bow down? He says, tell me where he's at so I could go worship him, but he wanted to kill Jesus. And in this Christmas spirit, there are two types of people that live. Those that want to worship, acknowledge, bow down, serve the King of glory, and those who can't stand Him. Because when a proclamation of a king being born, you're going to have to do one of two things. You're either going to have to fight His kingdom and say, no, I'm king. In my world, I'm going to do what I want. Or you bow down and do what Jesus wants. But Herod was one of those kings who says, tell me where he's at. It says, where is the one who has been born of the kings? And King Herod, verse 3 says, this was, um, when he heard this, he was disturbed. And all Jerusalem with him. Are there some people that are upset about Christmas? Are there some people who can't stand that we're celebrating the birth of our king here upon the earth? And he was disturbed. When he had called together all the people, listen who he called. He called the chief priests and the teachers of the Bible. And he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. I have a question. How come if the chief priests and those who read the Bible and knew where he was going to be born, how come only the shepherds were there? Is this not all true about us Christians that we know everything about God and we participate with nothing? We know all the Bible. You could t- some people here this morning could tell you everything about the Word of God, but they're not there bowing at the manger serving Jesus Christ. And so the King Herod gathered himself all the knowers and the people and inquired of them, where is Christ going to be born? And there they tell them. They say, well, that's easy because it's written about them. In verse 5, in Bethlehem in Judea, they respond to him quickly. For this was what the prophet has written. You, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least amongst the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. And Herod called the, the kings and secretly And found out from them the exact time the star had appeared and sent them to Bethlehem. And said, go and search out carefully for the child. And as you go and find him, please let me know what the address is so that I might go and worship him also. Liar, liar. He's not going to go and worship him. In verse 9 it says, after they had gone and heard the king, they went on their way. And the star they had seen When it rose, went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they were overjoyed. Coming to the house. Can you say to the house? It's not the manger anymore. They saw the child with his mother. And they bowed down and worshipped him. And when they opened their treasures and presented him gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. Having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod they fled to their own country through another route. I'm trying to consider here how is it that some people have a heart for God and are able to come and serve and follow Him and some people could be told a hundred years and they still will not come. The Bible says the last days will be like the days of Noah. 
I want to challenge you that Noah was married, had three boys, and all three boys were married, so that makes six and two, eight people. Eight people were in the ark by the time they had been invited to flee the coming floods and wrath and judgment. And he had spent hundreds of years proclaiming the coming of this flood and only his family got saved. And I'm considering, I'm saying, Lord, let me see what you want me to see. Let me hear what you want me to hear. Let's go read this real quick in, in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 20. It says, those who formerly, formerly did not welcome the invitation. They were disobedience when once the divine long-suffering, once God had waited long enough in the days of Noah, while the ark was being prepared in which few, that is eight souls, were saved through water. I asked myself a question. We have before us the salvation of our souls, the salvation of our family, the salvation of, of things to come in the near future. Jesus Christ did not come, the Bible says, to condemn the world. He wasn't born in the manger so He could uh, run ahead of you and say, shame, 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 and you are going to hell. No, He came in that manger to fulfill the salvation unto all men, the good news, the, the tidings of peace, of joy. And if there's one reason we still haven't experienced the levels of joy and peace and good news is because we have been really deaf to the invitation. Like in the days of Noah, here it was. Again, it says to us in 2 Peter 2.2 2, that Christ was opening up. 2 Peter 2.2 2. Many will follow their destructive ways. They'll continue on far from Christ, far from the goodness of God, because of whom the truth will be blasphemed. There's, there's no worse witness and inviter to the presence of God than a Christian who's not living it for real. Verse 3. It says, By covenants, because of desire, they will exploit you with deceptive words for a long time. Their judgment has not been idle, for the destruction does not slumber. Verse 4. For if God did not spare the angels in heaven, but cast them down, and those angels that, that would not remain in heaven honoring God were cast down into hell, delivered to chains of darkness, reserved for judgment. Verse 5, he says, God did not spare the ancient world, but saved only eight people, this Noah, preacher of righteousness, and then the rest of the people bringing the flood on the world of the ungodly. I'm saying, Lord, you have come to this world. You have been born in a place where where we can see your glory. You've been born in a place where we've been invited to partake. Isaiah chapter 1, verse 18. This is what God says. Let's get on the same page together. I am a Savior. You need to be saved. Let me save you. Let me rescue you. Come and taste and see that the Lord is good. Come and participate with my plans. Come, let us reason together. God wants to, if your sins are red as scarlet, it doesn't matter how twisted and upside down you are, I shall be, I shall make it white as snow. Even though you are guilty as sin and guilty as red like crimson, I'm going to wash you to be white like wool. 
And this is the promise of God for us in this season. This is my celebration. It's tremendous. In Isaiah 55 verse 1, he says you can come if you're thirsty, if you need waters to drink. Isaiah 55 1. Everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And you who have no money, you can't afford what I'm inviting you to. Come, buy, eat. Yes, come and buy wine and milk without money and without price. Verse 2. The invitation says, why do you spend on money for that which doesn't satisfy? You make efforts for other things. You, you are invited other places and you go. I just told a friend of mine who's going up north with 25 friends. How many of you guys could get 25 friends together to go do something? If I were to say, uh, you get 25 friends to go with you to snow ski in Aspen, how many would go? Huh? You say, I'm there. And God is, is wondering why we're so fast to accept invitations left and right. And then when He extends His invitation, we are slow and we are deaf-mute, and we are very unable. Verse 3, it says like this, Isaiah 55, 3. Listen with your ear and come to me. Hear and make your soul live. The amount of people that are depressed today. I, 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 have, a, I have an ad out in the, in, the, in the neighborhoods here for people to restore their marriages. I'll tell you something. They're going through hell. They're, go, they're, they're, in the, they're like that song. Uh, Juan Luis Guerra has a song that says, you're riding a bicycle over Niagara Falls. They're on a bicycle. They're going over a waterfall head first. Their, their lives are a disaster. They call and they said, does this have to do with God? Because if it does, I'm not interested. If, 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 if my commitment is that I have to come to Jesus Christ and to know Him and to love Him and to serve Him, then I'm going to live in a perpetual honeymoon with respect, with honor, with dignity. With my spouse, I'm not interested. And this is what Jesus is saying. Can't you understand that your soul needs me? Come and I'll give rest to your souls and I will make with you an everlasting covenant. This is a promise that cannot be broken. I've experienced that in the last 28 years. And I'm telling you that that little light that was a beam of light. And I was like, man, this is going to be a long way to get to that light. And there's probably a bunch of lies. But you know what? It was the only light in the tunnel. So I started walking towards the invitation of Christ who says, come unto me, all those of you that are heavy laden and burdened, and I'll give you rest. And I started walking in that direction. I can tell you that that light is real. He is the light of the world. It has come. It has shown in my heart, it's shown in my thoughts, it's shown in my words. I don't speak words of darkness anymore. I don't speak. And we were laughing because this week about 10, 15 couples called me. And they're like, I'm going to kill my husband. I'm going to kill my wife. I hate my guy. And they're, you know, if, if you get 10 of them to call you one after another, and then the last one I said, you know something? You guys have convinced me and have wrecked my marriage also. I'm leaving Yvette. The tide of darkness is so twisted. People are so deep and denigrated in their hating each other and not being able to live in peace, joy, and righteousness. And I'm like, will this darkness overcome the light? And guess what? Never. Because light will prevail over darkness. 
And this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. I'm going to let the whole world know that Christ the Savior is born. That He is the light of men. The Bible says He is the light of the world and that light was the life of men. And so I'm wondering, not only if this is just another invitation fallen on a hardened heart, if these are just words fallen on, well, since it's Christmas, the pastor had to tell us about the great story. Pastor had, had a, last night they were saying, Pastor, what are you going to share? Are you going to share on the Christmas story again? And I felt like saying, no, I don't want to share on just the story. I want to exceed the story and go into, there's a personal invitation for you to come. There's a personal invitation with your name on it to come into his kingdom. To be his part of his family. And as we are sitting here listening to all these things, we can see Matthew 11 verse 28 where Jesus stands up in his generation and he sits there and he says, all you that are thirsty, all of you that are hurting, all of you that have some type of need, come to me. The invitation is not to church. The invitation is not the spring of life. Come to Jesus. Come to Christ. Come to the King of glory. Come to the one who hasn't yet fallen in his attempts to do great exploits and wonderful things. Yeah, I'm going to tell you something. That I came to the Lord because of what I needed. And but I've been satisfied in my need way beyond measure. I stopped praying for things many years ago. And that's why we have this thing called changing the world. You say, what, what, what does changing the world mean? Well, when I got sick and tired of asking God for everything I needed, I asked God, what do you need? And He says, I want you to change the world. That's God's desire. That's not my prayer. That's God's prayer. Lord, save the world. And those of us that have been satisfied and our needs have been met, and He has just answered our prayers way beyond our imagination when we came to Him. He has put our life together in such a degree. And that's what some people say. Joaquin, how do you have time to, to care about somebody else's problems? How do you put a sign out in Miami with your cell phone on it telling people to come and get the same help that I've gotten? How do you do that? I don't want, I'm, I'm, I'm not giving anybody my cell phone number. I don't want anybody to call me. I'm overwhelmed with my own problems. Well, I'll tell you why. Because when you come to Christ, He resolves all your problems and you're able now to turn around and tell the world, come, because the same one who satisfied me will satisfy you. The same one who met my, my needs and my problems will meet your needs and problems. And this is not something theoretical. We see it in chapter 4 of John. There's a woman there who's been married five times. Anybody here been married five times? Don't raise your hand. But I'm telling you that God will answer your problems, your needs. He will meet them way beyond your capacity to fathom. In John chapter 4, we meet the Samaritan woman. She is so despised by her community, she has to go get water when it's noonday, when, the, when it's hot outside. It says all the other women went to the well to find water early in the morning. But she had to go at 12 noon. When the sun was super hot. Why? Because the other women would make fun of her. She was despised. She was the one that was jumping from husband to husband with total lack of honor. 
And in her shame, she had to go out there alone. But guess who was out there waiting for her? The one who invites. The one that invited her and says, I have what you need. And if you ask of me, I'll give you freely and you'll never thirst again. And he begins to invite her there in chapter 4. And we could go um, in verse 13. Whoever drinks of this water will thirst again, talking about the well. But whoever drinks of the water I give him will never thirst again. What an incredible promise. That's my allegiance to Christ is just that. He has met all my needs. I will not compromise for him. It's not to be negotiated. Verse 14. But whoever drinks of this water I shall give him will never thirst again. But the water that I shall give him will come up as a spring of water that springs up life. Thus the name of our church, Spring of Life. It has provisions for many. has provisions for all. And when she is confronted in verse 16, go and call your husband, she answers, I have no husband. And Jesus says, you've answered well, for you have had five of them, and the one you're with right now is not even your husband. Might be adultery. Might be fornication. The issue is she's still stuck deep in the darkness of her sin and wanting. And then she wants to get into religious rhetoric, but he says, listen lady, I'm the one that has provision for you. You know what this lady does? She goes into her town. In verse 28, the woman then left her water pot. She just left her needs there and went her way into the city and said, Come, the invitation. One invitation is for Christ to bring you to Himself. Now the other invitation is you bringing others. Come and see a man who told me all things I ever did. Could this be the Christ? And they went out of the city and came to Him. One woman who received the one invitation of Christ, was able to go into her city and bring the whole city to see the Messiah. And that could be you. That could be you. Your friends waiting to see someone who would, who would be like at the food court. Come on and try some of this Cajun chicken. Try Jesus. Look what He's done for me. Look, look what, the, what the man born in Bethlehem has done. Can you, will you stand this morning? I just don't know what else to do. I will sing. I will dance. I will bring you an orphan. I will bring you somebody with a terminal illness that said that they only gave them 19 days to live and they're still here after 19 years. How many, how many more invitations are going to be expended? The Bible says in, in uh, Matthew 22, that He sent His servants to go invite all peoples to come. And it's, a, it's an incredible scenario how they're invited to come in Matthew 22, verse 3. After they've been invited to come to be a part of what God wants them to be a part of. Listen to what He says. Ready? Let's read it together. And sent out His servants to call all those who were invited to the wedding and they were not they were not willing to come. My cousin yesterday says, my cousin says, the Lord's not going to shut the door. I still have another chance. There'll still be another time for me. They'll be, they'll be in the next Christmas. Pastor will be here. He'll be sharing the same 
sermon? I can't. I can't show the same sermon. I don't know how these musicians concert and they sing the same songs the whole year all over the world, the same song. I said, Lord, that can't be the same preaching. It can't be the same sermon. Our God is, is an omnipotent, omniscient, fascinating, brilliant God. He doesn't sit there and make all flowers the same. He doesn't make all trees the same. Uh, I, I look at the animal's creation. I see how he, how he does all things different. I see the fish, all different stripes, all different colors. And here, once again, December 18, 2011, the Lord extends another invitation. Will you come? Will you come to worship the King? Will you come to bow down? Will you come to surrender? Will you to come to quench your thirst so that you're never thirsty again? So that the issues in your life, and I can tell you at that time in my life, I was very young, very ignorant about many things. And, and so you come and He answers all these questions, but now I'm 44 and 28 years later, and, and guess what? I don't have to mess up. I could ask Him before I go into things. I have Jesus now to walk into different seasons of my life. Raising three teenage boys. How many think that's, that's a wonderful time? It is a wonderful time because the Lord has taught me how to do it as, as His being very present. I'm proud to be the father of incredible teenage sons. That if in another season of my life, if Jesus had not come into my heart, if He had not come into my world, if He had not been born like He was born in the manger, born in my heart, if that had not happened, my life would have been a disaster. Me and my wife, instead of enjoying our marriage, would have been, you know, probably going through the shipwreck of anxiety and despair and confusion. And, and I see how men cheat on their wives, and I marvel. You know why they do? Because they don't know Jesus. Jesus is not living on the inside, because when Jesus lives on the inside, there's no betrayal. There's not a lack of loyalty. There's no lewdness. There's no lust. That's our God. That's the king that is born. He, he is a reality in our minds, in our thoughts. We're not slaves to sin no more. Yeah, we were deep into the crud. We were deep into the mire. We were deep into the dung. But He saved us out of that. And He is the Savior of the world. So as we sing this song, if you want to, I'm not going to be fancy about this and I'm not going to let you sneak out of here saying, I came to the Lord, but in my heart. No, I want you to come to the Lord physically. That you could come here before this altar and bow down like the king of king, the king, the magi did when they came to seek the Lord. If you have any gold in your pockets, go ahead and just drop it right here too. But if you're, if you're worshiping God and you want to say, I want to come, I don't have gold. Well, come anyways because He has the gold. He doesn't need what you have. You need what He has. So you come before the Lord. And if maybe you were invited today, I know a lot of you were invited today to come to this service, maybe to watch the girls dance. But guess what? Not only extend your stay, extend your invitation and say, not only did I come to watch, I want to come and receive the King of Kings. I want to come and ask Jesus Christ to come into my life. And, and it's not like you need to be prepared to do that. He'll prepare you to walk in that as you have Him in your heart. So the altar is open. You could come forward and I'm going to pray with you. Don't, don't be embarrassed. Don't be ashamed. Come forward and accept Jesus Christ into your heart today.